Mr. Hugh Button. So <laughs> welcome to the studio, Button. Thank you very much, Eddie. Mate, Jeez. When you were 18, you, you lost your brother um, tragically in a Yeah, we... Um, yeah, I guess grief is what's brought me here today. They have to go through the process themselves. And that's what's very hard with grief is it is a very suffocating, relentless, exhausting emotion because you never, ever can escape it. Straight butt radio, coming through on your wireless. <laughs> what do you fly? I'll get a 172 XP. How often do you take it up? Oh, I don't know, a dozen times a month. Fuck yeah, my brother's a pilot. He was his first, pa- like his first, after he got his um, PPL, he was his first passenger. Yeah. And he learned to fly out of Bankstown Airport in Sydney. Yeah. And um, mum works night shift with yep. two older brothers. Nick's my middle brother, the pilot. Got his private pilot size and he's like, Daniel, you want to come, you know, like that, you've been my first passenger, like, let's go up for a flight. Mum's sleeping, like we're trying to sleep in the daytime, we're leaving, mum's up out of bed, like what, waving us off like it was the last time she was ever going to see either of us and he's like, no, no, and to be honest, I thought it probably could have been the last time <laughs> that she saw us and then my brothers were up over fucking Western Sydney, Bankstown and he's like do you want to feel the G's? And he's going oh, like this shit, and I was like, yeah, fucking hell but they're pretty manoeuvrable yeah um, Safe as houses, and even though even like a small Cessna, like you can you can fucking do a barrel roll and shit in it. No worries, like they yeah. can do it. Fucking <laughs> like videos and shit. Yeah, I'm sure they're just going for it. It's upper. Not that you'd you know need to. Am I which am I the right way up or? Um. Anyway, have we started the podcast. We sort of have started. Yes, you, know, you take you take the reins of the intro. Should on I this do one? the intro? Go on. This one? I think right. I think you've earned well, it. I think you've earned it, big guy. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I really appreciate fiftieth episode, fifty second episode. Oh, we got go. intro. <laughs> no. Um. Well, our guest today is someone that we've been trying to get on the podcast for a while. Probably pretty much since we yeah launched the podcast. We've been talking about getting um Butto on, and uh, yeah, we go a long way back. Any means. I think when I um, first left school, my first big contract mustering job was in 2002 to a big place called Bowen Downs and I went up there to work for a wonderful man, Mr K Ross, and he had this absolutely annoying as shit little boy. Used to drink the Camelback dry, leave the key on so my bike wouldn't start. And you'd get to the dinner table and he just wouldn't shut up. I don't know if this resonates with you, Dan, at all, but anyway, he's... Yeah, he may be in the room today. <laughs> it definitely resonates with me, but he ha- he's owned that. He talks about how he used to be an annoying little prick around the, the table. Dinner he didn't table. mention oh. leaving the, the ignition on of the motorbike or drinking your camelback, but yeah. uh, I can imagine. But those uh, booming tones are the one of Mr. Hugh Button. So <laughs> welcome to the studio, Button. Thank you very much, Eddie. Jeez. Mate, Thank uh, you, mate talk us through, yeah, 2002, did you say? Was it 2002? Mate, it was 2002, first year out of school. It was, um, you know, a lot of bushfires. Bushfellas, it's like your badge of honour going contract mustering, which at that time was borrowing a motorbike and a Toyota off Dad to go mustering for four days for shearing at Bowen Downs. And then I uh, promptly took my cheque that I'd made that in that four days and went to the Roma races and spent the lot. <laughs> Came home with my tail between my legs on the Sunday night. It was a great period of my life that week. What was it like working for Ken Ross back in the day? I couldn't imagine. I could not. Oh, no, it was terrific. He was good. I was bloody. I was seventeen. Bloody nervous as all shit. And he gave me a go. He gave me a chance, and was very fair. And yeah, we had a good time. Told me a lot of stories. Told me a lot of. <laughs> he used to talk a bit too, but no, it was all good. It was wonderful. I'm indebted to him forever for the opportunity. I can't imagine that Ken Ross really is as bad as what Eddie Ross. I just him <laughs> Oh no, there's definitely Eddie was doing all the talking when it was he and Ken at the same table. That's for sure. Yeah, there's right. no doubt about that. 
the beautiful Sue Ross. She's a lovely, lovely oh, lady. Yeah, cooked yeah. us and looked after us. Mum, she's oh, the best. Yeah, geez. well, she's out in Longreach at the moment. It's weird. Everyone we're talking about is, yeah, back out there. But um, anyway, it's good to have you in here, mate. You're down for mm. the, the birth of your fourth child. May we are on uh, Monday morning. We welcomed Reginald John Button, eight pounds Reginald. two. He's only a bit of a jockey in our camp. We've had a nine and a half and a ten and an eight six or something. But no, he's, um, yeah, third son, fourth child. We've got a daughter as well, obviously. And yeah, Amanda did a wonderful job and they're both very happy and healthy, which is terrific. It's, yeah, having children really, life gets going when you have kids, so... And that's you've had four. And what's how old's the oldest one? Uh, Charlie's five and a half. So yeah, so we've you've got been four, quick. Five and a half and under. Yeah, my dear wife was keen for six kids, and I said I'd be good for four. And, and anyway, where, where Wait, you for five? shouldn't that conversation be the other way round? <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's telling you she's good for it, like. <laughs> <laughs> No, so you know, we're talking. Pro- think, we're probably talking financially, actually, aren't we? Oh, well, I think four. Yeah, four kids will do us. That's enough. <laughs> so um, four kids. So you're looking at a GXL wagon for the the next sort of get twenty to, years. Get it to Rago, mate. Pretty much something like that. It's more <laughs> about the trailer or the pot on top. So next bloody purchase that we got to worry about. Oh dear, Reggie's mate, a great name. Good. Yeah, I was just saying, old names are they're coming back, aren't In they? In a yeah. big fucking way, man. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> they're it's a cracker. Um, mate, what what's it? You know, having four or four kids now in less than six years. I mean, yeah. how how's that been for you as a as a bloke? You know, sort of not rushed into fatherhood, but you've become a father four times over. Oh, it's funny everyone debates about that, but I reckon it's great. Get in, you got nappies and wipes and stuff everywhere, and you're cooking tea, so you may as well be doing it for four, let alone a couple at a time. So, no, nah, it's good. Bloody everything about parenthood's wonderful. It really is, and. Five years into it, we're already realising just how quickly it all goes and we're very blessed. Um, we live in a wonderful place to have children and my beautiful wife is a wonderful mother and the two of us, we, yeah, we enjoy it. We really enjoy it and we get through it pretty easily and just chip in and do it and it's, yeah, I don't really see it any differently. Mate, um, God, you're saying all the right things, Huey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think the other connection we've got is that, well, there's a couple, obviously, but the other one was when mum rolled her car. Yeah, that? that's right. My, my mother only touched on that this morning. Was yeah. talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Because um, she goes, t- "Was Eddie a little boy in that car when yeah. that happened?" Yeah, Bloody oath, I was. I've, I've told you this, young, haven't I? Yeah, coming up the, the <laughs> is, this, is this the same time you fucking got the twisties? The no, twisties? no, that's another one. That's another one. <laughs> no, this is when um, I was. I must have been grade one at um, our ladies in Longreach, and mum had mum picked us up in the afternoon, and we used to go out when dad first started managing Bowen Downs for that first year. And, um, yeah, mum picked me up. Laura was in the baby seat and took off down the Crosmore Road towards Motorborough to go to Bowen Downs. And um, I remember mum saying that she got some DVDs from Blockbuster. Or, no, they were VHSs then to, to, to watch on the weekend. And I um, climbed over the back seat into the boot and was reading one of them, fell asleep, woke up, um, yeah, <laughs> after doing about four or five flips in this car, I survived. I was, yeah, asleep in the, in the boot. And um, it was wild. That's where it all went wrong. That's yeah. where it all went wrong. That's a head knock well, on copped. I'm starting to understand why he's such a horrible driver. He must get it from soup. Ooh, oh, shot fired. <laughs> Fuck, I can drive. Across the bow. Yeah. Mate, but, um, I mean, where to start? I suppose, you know. We should start with that shirt. Yeah. Really? Well, absolutely. And you're an early adopter of the trademark of the product line this is an, an original 2018 shirt you've got on for anyone it is the it is yeah um 2018 got in ordered this one and uh, what's the green and gold one ordered one of them the cordy the cordy and i yeah gay bought ordered some other sort of was a good idea gave them to some other loud characters and yeah i was just keen to get on board from the start and um 
it was about that time I started building a set of cattle yards at home and so there was plenty of welding and grinding. I thought, oh, well, we'll bloody see if these fellas are fair dinkum and the shirts stood the test of time, ripped a couple of sleeves off. So Amanda had to bloody shorten the sleeves up. And here it is. I think this might be its last run though today. That we'll give it a it reti- give it a retirement. That mm-hmm. shirt represents like that embodies the fucking the process that we're like. We don't know how we got those here. <laughs> we don't actually know how we got those made. No, because we did not have a fucking clue what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, my god, somehow it just happened. Didn't yeah. It? So well, oh, you reckon this is the perfect opportunity to say you fellas are bloody legends for what you've done, and that was my. That was my thinking when I first saw them. I thought, what a great idea. These fellas are on to it. I'm going to jump on board and buy some shirts and support it. So thank you to everyone that you've helped in your journey so far. Oh, Thanks, mate. mate bloody that's wonderful. Lovely really thing to say, it. and it's, it's a, yeah, it continues to blow us away, like the, the, the support. Like there's nothing, there is none of this. There's no podcast. There's no nothing without every all the community support. And so, yeah, you're one of many who, you know, who shares that sentiment, I'm it, sure. It's funny because I, um, I don't know, people pick on me a lot for some reason. I have a, one of these shirts and they go, oh, geez, buddy, what's that you're wearing as well? It's actually a conversation starter. Do you want the rundown? and. I don't know, most people say, where do you get them? I want one now. And other people are very like, that's a good idea. And you can see them thinking about it and reflecting on it and touching on it and understanding that it is. And yeah, Gets very, the cogs turning. Very much so. Very good and way I was just it. on a, I was just on a, um, on a call just before and um, had, yeah, you get two kind of reactions. Some people are like, oh, geez, they're fucking fantastic. What's the deal? Conversation yeah. started about mental health. Or, fuck me, that is hideous. What the fuck's <laughs> with that? Conversations out about mental health. So either way, whether you love them or hate them, yeah. that's what they're doing. They're getting tongues wagging. So definitely, yeah, definitely. bloody oath. Well, um, mate, yeah, let's talk about your background. So you you're living on a property between Longreach and Mudderborough. That's sixty something k. Yeah, eighty k's north of Longreach. Eighty yeah. k's north of Longreach. Um, yeah, born and bred Western Queensland boy. I guess what am I? Fourth generation, I think. Um, I've always lived out there. Love the world. Love love it. Went to got. I was had a very privileged upbringing. I well, I believe I had a very privileged upbringing. Um, wonderful family and whatnot. Two older siblings. My brother Rodney was eleven years older than me. My sister's eight years older than me. Went away to boarding school. Went to Toowoomba Prep and Churchy, which was terrific. Stayed in Brizzy and um, played a bit of rugby. Pretended for a while, like a lot of people do, that bloody it might take me somewhere. That was a possibility. Yeah, I should have got the nod <laughs> earlier that it wasn't going to happen. Um, did a started a diesel mechanic apprenticeship, then went on to do a carpentry apprenticeship, and yeah, did a bit of time down here, which was good. And yeah, now fast forward, a few things have changed in life, and now my wife Amanda and our four kids live on the family property, Crosmore, eighty k's north of Longridge, and. Um, yeah, it's been a bloody terrific last ten years with this drought. It's been very character. <laughs> character building but we're getting there and i reckon we're in for a really exciting time in agriculture um people are starting to realize the importance of it and technologies are changing and yeah it's so that's home for us and that's our existence and yeah, yeah it's, it's, it. it's hard to believe it's bloody yeah that that drought and how long it's fucking going on for you out there how long's crosmore yeah. been in the family oh mate it's um only a new one it's 30 years this year right so yeah party so sorry party Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> Too busy changing nubbies. <laughs> mate, um, yeah, because we were talking before in 2014 when I came back and my mate had passed away in that helicopter accident and I came out and gave you a few days' That's work right. there, yeah. busting all those NLIS tags on those calves <laughs> in the round yard, remember? We're like, how are we going to get all right. these fucking NLIS tags on here? I was like, mate, we'll just jam them all in this round yard and we'll walk along and we'll just clip them on. And, um, yeah, and that was the first time we'd ever de-stocked uh, yeah, fully wasn't it? That was the beginning of it. Yeah, and then 2015, that was 14. Then 15, we were completely destocked, 100% destocked. And then again last year in 2020, we were 100% destocked. And um, yeah, they were the two worst years by far. 
um, yeah, it's been and tough time. How have, you, how have you dealt with all of that? Oh, I think the thing is at the start you got to make the hard decisions, and then once the hard decisions have been made, um, you just you're in that motion and you play on sort of thing. Yeah, I guess probably from my own life experiences with what we're about to talk about and whatnot, I've probably got that ability in my mind to not accept. Like it's not my fault, the drought. I can put that aside and say, oh, "Look, I've tried my best. I've put my best foot forward." Control the it's, controllables. Yeah, it's mm. not my responsibility. Like it's, it's my responsibility to do the very best I can in the situation. But I can't control. It's bigger than us, and I can accept that, um, and continue on. So, so just to educate, just to educate a city, a city boy over here, destocking is obviously. Um, not a great fucking situation to be in. That reflects no, it's not like a good it's, time. It's pretty much like owning a, sh- um, a building of shops and you kick all your tenants out and you still got to pay all the overheads and rates right. on a... Sh- on a yeah. yeah. you got n- nothing going to bring any coin in. And so the hard decisions that have to be made at that point in time is just realising that you're going to have to de-stock and that you're going to have to, like, is that, you know, obviously it's not that easy, but... It's yeah, like it's I think it's an acceptance thing. And yeah. that's what, um, once we get through this drought, for the, it's not the best way to go about it by any means, but once we also, for those of us that survive it, I think it'll be actually a really good change to the culture of the rural industries that we need. All of a sudden people are understanding a lot more about what they do and how they do it and they're looking for other ways. And I think a lot of people from this drought have become, it's been a bit of an education in terms of making de- a lot more decision-making and understanding what makes their businesses tick and people have become more business-orientated as a result. And so that was sort of my way. I see it as you just, it's just numbers. You'd take all the emotion out of it, forget about old bloody Daisy the cow and just, it's just numbers. Yeah. So yeah like any right business. Yeah, so disconnecting from the... The cattle itself, or the life it can't be an emo- yeah. it can't be an emotional decision. It has to be a business decision. Yeah, yeah, completely, absolutely. Yeah, and do people struggle with that? Like, do people generally struggle with making that decision when the writing's on the wall? Um, I don't necessarily like to be the judge, but um, well, yeah, you see people, them, you right? see people doing things, and you think, oh, gee, I wouldn't be doing it like that. There possibly is a better way to do it, but hindsight's hindsight's an interesting thing, and everyone's situation is so different. Well, everyone's situation is different, so. Yeah, yeah, but I certainly think there's probably people that could do it in a different way. Yeah. And so you've got are you completely destocked right now? No, we've actually had a bit of rain this year. We've had okay. we had a mild summer and then we had some good Easter rain and then we've had some surprising winter rain. So we're sitting not too badly. We should get a game out of this year. Okay. Hopefully. All things going yeah, going to plan. Yeah, oh, that's lovely. exciting. Just your camera zoomed in there, is that too much? I don't know what's happened there. Mate, you should be right. D can't be, be right. happy with that. He'll be. He'll right, figure it sweet. out. Why is it zoomed in like that? I've got no idea. <laughs> Fucking who's on it? Just sit like this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but but uh, you know, let's go. Um, yeah, sort of back to that sort of two thousand two era. Um, yeah, and, and talk about you know, obviously grief is going to be a big part of this podcast and and how it's affected you and your life and your family. Um, and in when you were eighteen, you you lost your brother. Um, tragically in a yeah we um. Accident. Yeah, I guess grief is what's brought me here today to have a bit of a yarn and, yeah, people, I'm pretty open about it all and happy to talk about it all and my thing is too if I can help the next bloke and I just, I genuinely believe death is something that is so bloody taboo in our culture and it shouldn't be. We need to talk about it and I think it's very important we talk about it and we be open about it and talk about our lost loved ones. Um, like I said before, I had an older sister, older, uh, I've 
got an had an older brother, got an older sister, um, and then had yeah quite a few cousins. And what have I got? Nine cousins, and we've all been very close and wonderful grandparents and whatnot. And yeah, so when I was eleven, my older cousin on dad's side he was killed in a flying accident, um, which rocked the family well and truly. It took a lot of processing. I just remember. Obviously, you're 11, you sort of look around not really knowing what's happening, but sort of taking it all in and trying to understand it and thinking to myself as an 11-year-old, gee, I thought, you know, this is what you see, what you see on TV, like, this is what's on the 6 o'clock news. And then fast forward to the 30th of July, 2003, I was at work actually down here doing my diesel mechanic apprenticeship and I heard on the um, 4 o'clock news that there'd been an accident at Longridge and a Mudabara man had been killed in an ultralight, and I dropped what I was doing. I thought, fuck, Rodney. And then I thought, no, no, don't be stupid. Like, they would have told you first about it. Anyway, got in the, um, got in my car and went home, and on my way home, a good family friend rang and said, oh, mate, are you at home? And I said, yeah, yeah, in West End, and didn't think much more of it, and then kept going. Another family friend rang, and she said, oh, are you at home, mate? And I said, yeah, and thought that's a bit weird and then the penny dropped that yeah it was my older brother Rodney he'd been killed in a flying accident in a uh, ultralight and yeah it was tough because there was plenty of people in ultralights flying around at the time and plenty of flying going on it was just he didn't do anything wrong wasn't the result of anything he just on his way home for lunch and something beyond his control happened that day and he was the number that got called anyway yeah um lives have changed forever as a result of that he's um had a little he was married with a 11-month-old girl and then his wife found out she was pregnant again five days after the funeral. So, yeah, it's been a blessing, though, having those wonderful children and their mother, Sarah, has done a wonderful job in raising their terrific young adults as a result. And, um, yeah, it was an interesting process. And at that time, I remember thinking, oh, but this doesn't make sense. We've already, you know, we've already, and my cousin Andrew, we know we've already had our turn, but anyway, it wasn't to be. And uh, so there was that period and then on to, I went home for six months and then came back and started the carpentry apprenticeship and um, fast forward to uh, 2000, May 2006, I was 21, doing my carpentry apprenticeship and Dad had had a few heart problems from time to time beforehand and then um, anyway, Mum rang to say he wasn't going so good and they'd taken him into the Long Ridge Hospital and then... Um, Family friend rang a couple of hours later and said, oh, mate, he's gone. And, yeah, Dad had unfortunately passed away as well. That was 2006 when I was 21. And then uh, I started losing track of dates. There's a few. And then on to 2009, a cousin-in-law of mine got killed in a car accident. That was, um, yeah, very sad. Two young boys and whatnot that he left behind. And a wife is a terrific bloke. And then the following year, we... Uh, my, Beautiful wife Amanda, who I'd known since we were little kids, and had known all the family, and her mother had been a very special person in all our childhoods and growing up. And um, yeah, she'd been diagnosed with a brain tumor, and ten months from diagnosis to being told that was it, and she passed away, which was very sad again. And um, my wife and I, at that stage, we were twenty-five. We'd been together four years since we were twenty-one. Yeah, so that was a um, very tough time as well, doing that and. Yeah, it sort of worked out in perfect three-year increments. You're starting to find your wheels again. When I was 18 from my brother's accident, Dad died, and then just starting to find my wheels again. And I have to... Seeing my wife and her family go through it was pretty tough. 
Um, and then, yeah, just this year, my dear old uncle passed away. He'd had a wonderful innings, and I know he wouldn't begrudge that his time was up, but unfortunately he passed away, and then another member of his family, father of his grandchildren, yeah, very sadly, um, had a brain tumour and left the earth far too early. So it's been a bit of an interesting journey in the last, yeah, since 2003, oh, no, sorry, 1995 in my lifetime. And then um, it's funny, funny, ha-ha, in that um, you explain this to people and they're just thinking, Jesus. But then my dear mother, her father, she lost her father in a car accident when she was 19. And, we, you know, you talk about grandparents. I used to love hearing Grandfather Rod stories. And I guess death and grief has been around us for a lot, like even as a kid hearing about his stories and whatnot. And then to hear, go through my own experiences. Yeah, it's been interesting, I guess you could say. Fuck, mate. Yeah. It's a t- <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's anyway, a tough hopefully one. I got the tears out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mm. yeah it's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. So three year three year increments pretty consistently. Yeah, like there or thereabouts. Yeah, since the kind of nineteen ninety five. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I was quite obviously like, yeah, my brother and father are the big ones, and it's funny how you look at life a bit. Like to lose my brother and my father and my cousin, and it's sort of left. Behind my f- uncle and I and my little nephew was the only men in the family left. And, yeah, you sort of reflect a lot on it. And it's wonderful now. It's been a very emotional time but a wonderful time. to. It's probably a sexist thing to say, but to have three sons and, yeah, to know that there's blokes again. I know when my first son, Charlie, was born, I was super excited to have a mate again. So it's been a long while without someone to talk footy with and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So. Um. You so that uh, that entire thing makes me think about how because um, I was only talking to Louise out loud about socks upstairs about you know death and taxes right the yeah. only fucking two things that are guaranteed and you talking about how you know death is something that we should be talking more about because people are often like pretend it's not something that we're all going to face or pretend that yeah. it's not going to happen um, yeah, or definitely. like other podcasts we've had like with Glenn Azar about how people are trying to everyone's guaranteed to die and most people are trying to get to death as safely as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, but it makes me, the, the first thing this makes me think of is you talk about your brother, your father. I'm lucky to still have, you know, most of my immediate family. Um, and I think um, I don't take that for granted. I don't yeah. take for granted that they're still still here with me. Am I spending as much quality time with them as I should, knowing that they're still here and knowing that other people aren't so lucky. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But then there's the other side of it, like where, well, how much time can you spend with mm. a, a person? Yeah. Like, well, you know, can I'm you be joined? You can't be joined at the hip kind of thing, just like being like, fuck, you're going to, you know, I'm not going to have you around forever. Yeah. It's like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I know exactly what you're saying. I yeah. think the thing, no, Dan, is you can't live life. It goes to the bigger thing. You can't live life concerned about it. Like, people go, oh, stay safe, do this, do that now after what's happened. And I'm like, oh, well, look, it's all beyond our control. So and mm. you can't live your life being worried about what's going to happen or feeling guilty that you're not spending enough time. Or in with fear. You can't live in fear of fucking, Yeah, you know. exactly. You, you just got to be... You just got to live your life and enjoy it, and not be worried about it. Because and I suppose it's, it's beyond everyone's control. Yeah, life. I, I suppose it's acknowledging the fact that you know life is impermanent, and that death is guaranteed, and that we will, we are only here for a short time, and it's probably 
not that you have to be joined at the hip with those that you love all the time and coddle them up and protect them. It's just like making the most of the opportunities of, you know, the times that you can spend together and probably also not fucking letting the little shit that just doesn't matter get in the way. Impact of yeah. that. Yeah, that's very true. I think... Um, but that can be hard with families. Yeah, like I that's think one of the big... You can't let... You can't let... Yeah, you can't let it impose your everyday life. You, yeah. No, I just no, no. I just I think like so. Kind of what I was saying is like you've gone through all this stuff and you've like lost really close people consistently throughout your life, and you know there's plenty of people who have never lost a loved one. Yeah, you know, um, and then they will get to a point in time where you know maybe they don't, maybe no one has an accident throughout their life, but everyone ages, and then suddenly you know people will start disappearing around them. You know what I mean? So, and yeah. it is guaranteed, and the fact that you know. The grieving process is healthy and, like, the, you know, the, the, the pain that you feel when you lose someone is, is warranted because it's a reflection of how much they meant to you, you know, in, in, in your life. But yeah. the thing is, is that memories never memories never fade and that's the and that's the biggest thing and you can't... I think, don't too, I've certainly become... One of my biggest things is I believe life doesn't owe us anything. We owe everything to life. We're not the first ones to be here. We're not the only ones to be here. We won't be the last ones to be here. So we've just got to make the most of everything and get in, have a red hot crack at it. Um, and, yeah, not be hung up on the fact that waiting for anything, we've just got to live our life. When did you yeah. get that perspective? Uh, I don't know, probably a few years after Dad's death, I started to think about it a bit, yeah, and understand it, that that's how it should be. And I suppose it's those kind of experiences in life that bring about that perspective and that understanding, and that's probably part of the growth process as well. It's like going through these things do allow you to have these realisations and do realise, help you realise, you know, not to take things for granted, you know? Yeah, and I definitely think through all that too, I, made the, I guess that came off the back of the realisation that I was super, like I've, yeah, I, I appreciate that I love the brother and father I had. I wouldn't swap it for anything. I wouldn't swap my 18 years with my brother or my 21 years with my father for any other si- father-son, si- father, uh, brother situation. That was the one I had and I'm so proud and I'm so lucky to have had them in my life. And um, I say that to a few, when I say that to people and they lose loved ones, it comes to a point where you're just so appreciative of the fact that you had them. You're not upset that you lost them, you you appreciate the fact that you had them in your life. Absolutely. I was, I, I'm trying to think where I saw this the other day. It was um, people talking about, you know, finite time and how quick it all goes, you know, and even you talking before about, like, you see how quick it goes with, you know, your kids now, you know, they're only five, like Charlie's only five. And, yep. you know, someone was saying, um, you know, you've got to think of, of, of life, you know, in regards to like summer holidays. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're only going to, like, with your kids, you're only going to have 18 summers until yeah. they're gone. Yeah. Like, you yeah. just think about, you're going to have 18. Be- the, like, best case scenario yeah, that's as well. That's what yeah. I mean. You're going to have 18 summers, and then they're fucking out of there. So you better make the most of those 18 summers. And, like, the that Aziz Ansari guy on Netflix, Aziz Ansari guy, the comedian. What's his fucking name? You know the <laughs> I'm name. not going to try, but I know who <laughs> you're talking, talking about. about. <laughs> he, same thing. He's talking about, you know, he's like, you go see your parents when they're 60, and you're like... Yeah. There can only be fifteen more times you fucking see these people. Yeah, definitely. You know? I think that you, for older people, you think, "Geez, you've only got five Christmases left in reality," and you think, "Geez, you better make it count." But I think that too. They, you look at old people, talk to grandparents, you know, older people, and they certainly. I think life, you go through times and stages of your life, and you obviously get to a point where you're very accepting of your lifetime and what's going on, and you're happy with it, and 
you yeah you don't begrudge that situation i suppose you're ready to go you talk to old people and they often they'll say they've had their run they're happy with it yeah well i mean yeah and that's a that, and that's a pretty powerful thing to happen i suppose in some, in one's life to get to that stage where you're like well i'm happy with what what has gone on yeah know, i'm happy to just and enjoy the final moments in peace and, you know? exactly. and when the shoes on the other foot though like Stuart whitby you know you can live a number of different lives in the one life and you can still get to a point in time, you know, where you yeah. think maybe you've done your dash, but you can still reinvent yourself as well. You don't have to have, you know, your life experiences box, box you into sort of one thing or another. Like it is possible to transform, grow and change and evolve throughout your life. And um, and through those big moments. Through the, use them as catalysts for change. That's the, yeah. it's, without the big moments, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Like it's not, you know. Because they're yeah they're like the defining moments that happen to you in your life, yeah. and I suppose and obviously that 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 is what's happened to you too, Bardo. It's like these these things have happened, and it's taken you along a journey of of a lot of self discovery. Oh, know? definitely, and I think too often in life people are too. You've got to go that you've got to travel that journey to realise it sometimes, and I think too often people are looking for the idealistic way out. Sometimes you've got to travel that journey. Or they look back and go, oh, "Geez, I shouldn't have done that." Like I'm certainly a person that learns from his mistakes. Well, I hope I'm learning from the mistakes. I've made plenty of them, but you've got to go through that journey sometimes to have those lessons oh, to realise. I think you've got to go through that journey all the fucking time. Yeah. Like I just, I don't think it stops. No. That's the thing. Like I just don't think it ever stops, and, and accepting that I think is a big part as well. And it's just the level to which you know you're. I don't want to say suffering, but the events that impact your life. It's just the magnitude to you know to yeah. what they are. To you but know, I think that's yeah, that's a big lifetime real, real life realization, big life realization. When it's never, it's never going to just be sweet. No, you got to have the bad times to measure the good times. Oh fuck! Yeah, to understand it, and I think too, it's important for people. I don't know how to put this part into words, but I think it's important for people to accept their own piece of life and accept what's happening to them. And I don't know, you talk to I talk to people and they go, oh, I've never lost anyone. I could never ever be upset about, well, you know, the problems in my life compared to what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, not really. You're only as good as what you're exposed to. Yeah. And I'm not mean that detrimentally. I don't think just because of what someone else goes through on a bad front necessarily means makes the next person's any lesser. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the key person. things with this entire mental health topic because that comes up in almost every single podcast we have, but it also comes yep. up in every conversation. It's like there's no world that exists where you can compare your suffering or you compare the challenges that you've faced because yep. then they're, they're not comparable. No, they're like definitely there's no, there's too many variables, there's too many, there's too many different things. There's no point, but that's where a lot of people get stuck. Yeah, like stuck. Do I say stuck? Yeah, stucked. that's where people get stuck because. They fucking compare themselves to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's like Definitely. it never look, ends. And you look at stuff on the from the surface, face value. Yeah, and nothing can be taken on face value no, like that. No, it's not. like that's what you see is not what the conversations are happening when that person goes to bed at night with their yeah. wife, or the the pressures that they're facing when they shut their front door at night. You know what yeah. happens inside that home? You, you don't see it. Oh, no. yeah. Um, and what was like we were saying before? If it's on your mind, it's important. Yeah, Josie definitely. Tucker podcast. Fuck, it's a good line. I fucking love that line. Can you do me a favour? Yeah, I know. Can you sneak it's, around yeah. there? This thing's fucking cutting my head off. Go on. <laughs> oh, she, we've locked you in here. I don't know what it's doing. Just leave it there. Oh, no, we're back. We're back. So part two. <laughs> <laughs> no, what um, 
the way that you talk about grief and the stuff yep. that you've been through, obviously you've had a lot of, well, you've had time to process and go through that, you know, yep. the range of emotions. And having lost, you know, so many people so close to you like that, do you do you feel like you've got, um, I wouldn't say got, got good, but you're experienced in the grieving process? Uh, you, have you have you felt that through what? Yeah, it's probably an egotistical thing of me to say that. I've, yeah, got experience. In the I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's egotistical at I all. I guess. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, you're used to it. You understand it. You never know. Everyone's situation is very different. What they go through and how they lose someone. Like how my my father's death. You know, of heart failure very quickly and whatnot. Right there at the moment versus my mother-in-law's passing with a brain tumor and that you know, delayed time of her being sick. They're very different situations, and I think that's with any death. There's always very different situations, different family dynamics, and no two deaths are the same, um, and no two processes are the same. Every family goes through it differently. But, yeah, it's a funny one in that I think with grief, people, they have to go through the process themselves, and that's what's very hard with grief is it is a very suffocating, relentless um, exhausting emotion because you never ever can escape it lingers. no matter what it lingers and you can't literally when you're in heavy grief you go to bed and you wake up in the morning and you can feel your mind click into gear you think of the grief and before your eyes are even open like it just does not leave you whereas you know if you've got a bad knee or a done shoulder you can go and rest that or a bad back you can rest it but grief it's an emotion that never leaves you and I think the, the thing I found I guess it was after my brother's accident more than anything is the biggest thing is change with grief. Like when you lose someone, your world has changed forever. It will never be the same. And I think too often people lose someone and their friends and family all think, oh, when things get back to normal. Well, guess what? There is no normal. There's, that You've got to find that new normal. And it took I reckon it took me a good two and a half to three years to find my new normal after my brother's accident. And then when Dad died, I sort of understood the process, so I just relented and went through the process, and it was probably 18 months, two years before I found my new normal again. And having that acceptance of the change, that's the hardest part, I think, for a lot of people. People are still waiting for it to go back to normal. And they, like, you've got to go through the bad times. You've got to go through it at some point. Like, you've got to have the first Christmas. You've got to have the first birthday. You've got to have the first anniversary. Like, you can't All the significant dates, I was going to say, like, that just, it's just a constant reminder, isn't it? You know, it's just a constant reminder again and again. And I think it's, you, I'm really interested in how you talked about grief being an emotion that you can't escape. Because you are, like I agree, grief absolutely is an emotion that you can't escape. But also when it comes to mental health broadly, there is a number of other range of emotions that people experience, no matter what they go through, that are emotions that they feel like they can't escape. Yeah, definitely. And I think broadly there's a good lesson in the fact that identifying those emotions and understanding grief is a almost like a tangible emotion that, that people can get a grasp of because they understand... Okay, death. It's that gut feeling. Whereas yeah. I yeah. suppose when it's when you look at things like depression, anxiety, stress, you know, fear, worry, those kinds of things, often it can be harder for people to kind of put them in a bucket, put them in a bucket, okay. and line it up with something that's happened in their life. But grief <coughs> is one where you can say, that's "Oh the yeah, moment, yeah, that's happened, and this yep. is how I feel." But that I suppose that identity of emotions like that, not to go too deep on you, but that's no, no, part, right. that's part no, of it. I think that's part of the 
part of the process that a lot of people need to go through for the a wide range of emotions, not just grief, you know? Yeah. Yep. Because you can't it's it's a sure thing in life. You will face that stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I think the acceptance of it's very hard. My dear father couldn't for a long time and I don't think he really ever got his mind around my brother's accident. I think he couldn't accept it, whereas mum was much more accepting of it and could process through it a lot quicker and get through it, get through that emotion. I don't know whether it's a, you know, nature thing the mother can process it more or what i don't know but mothers are bloody strong mate i don't know how they do it but they fucking do a good job they are definitely and i think my father felt he'd let my brother down which was tough he should never have felt that but i guess it's probably one of those manly things to protect you protect you young and it's and it's only natural i think as well and i mean you'd probably i mean i'm not a parent you're a new parent i suppose you'd feel that strong protection you know, oh, instinct definitely. towards your own kids, Very you know, and, and I, I suppose that's part of, as kids grow up, like, how the fuck, like, when they go to their first party or when they get to that age and, you know, there's going to be, you know, alcohol or the whatever's going on, you know, but they're going to start to get up to no good, it's like, fuck, how yeah. do you, oh. and I think, obviously fuck. not, I think every single parent has been through that. Oh, definitely. And it's all the way through life, and I suppose, like, how do you, like, relinquish that sort of, Jeez, it must be, well, it, it, that'd be one of the hardest things parents go through. That'd be one of the hardest things they go through is that release, and that's why there's so many people that... Not my parents. I was an angel. I didn't have to worry about <laughs> Me too, mate, of course. I was wondering, yeah, you flew in here like that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do you... Do you I'm, I'm interested to know, because your... So your brother obviously died in a tragic accident. Is, it work, is that a work accident? Workplace accident, technically? Or is it just uh, like a flying yeah, accident? Nah, just a flying accident. Yeah. yeah. And obviously he was 11 years older than you, right? Yeah. And so you've obviously idolised this this guy's your big big brother. You're, you know, you've got two strong men in your life who have both, you know, died in tragic circumstances. But your old boy, he passed away because of a heart condition, yep. was it? Yeah. But you said you feel like it was hard for him to deal with what had happened to your brother. Yeah. Do you ever, like think that your father's physical demise was at all correlated with the grief that he felt from losing, you know, your your brother, his son? Um, or is that, is that no, a far reach? I, I get what you're asking, but in Dad's case, I don't believe so. Yeah. Um, you do see a lot of people, you know, they lose some, a loved one and they just throw themselves into work and they start making poor choices and eating badly and drinking and just letting their life go and hating the world. Mm. That certainly wasn't my father's case. If anything, he went the other way. He sort of started realising there was more to life and doing nice things and was fit and healthy and looking after himself and enjoying life rather than letting things go. I just don't think he could ever really get his head around it. Yeah. That, for you, Butto, like you've been like you've been surrounded by it a lot, and it's a thing that I often think about. Is like what in your mind, like what do you think death is? Like after what you know, like what is it? You know what I mean? Um, Will you see people again? Are that's we just, a very are we good just question. In darkness? It's a very good question because I don't. I'm not a religious person by any means. I don't really believe in the Lord, but I do. I do reckon we go to a better place. What that is, I don't know. I do reckon that we. There is something after this lifetime. There is an afterlife to what, you know, we all come into the world at a different time. We all go out at a different time. Yeah, I do reckon we go somewhere. I reckon there's something out there. What it is, I've got absolutely no idea. Yeah. I always imagine, this would fucking sound stupid, I always imagine it'd be <laughs> like riding fucking jet skis up in the sky or some shit, you know what I mean? Like, like, that like sounds, the, Jetsons, the Jetsons or something. That sounds yeah. fucking, that sounds enjoyable. Yeah, well that's what I, because I, yeah, I mean, I Where have you fucking been? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fucking, yeah, just cruising around, like I, 
I agree. Like, I think there's something. Like, I kind of believe in kind of more the energy of it, I suppose. Like, yeah. Ashes to ashes, dust yeah, to I dust think type thing in the cycle of it all. Like, yeah, I mean, I think... And we often, you know, in this business, like, I've obviously lost one of my best mates to suicide, which was yeah. a you know, big defining factor in sort of why we started this thing. And we always have moments in this business where... Fuck, the whole thing could fall over and then something yeah. happens and we oh, and we that's, that's the joy of life. Everything's he, exactly. It's a pump, isn't it's, it? we're, we're all balancing on a fucking yeah. And we're like, mm. fuck, we're like, he's doing something, this bloke. But he's always like, man, your mate up there is pulling something. But the thing is, he says it, and I'm like, fuck, you know what? That honestly wouldn't surprise me. Like, yeah. if, if he was up there pulling yeah. some strings somehow, do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. whether it's true or not, the thought of it's kind of nice. Yeah. You definitely. Know? And I think that's like, and that's a keeping memory alive and, you know. Question for you, Dan. How old were you when your mate committed suicide? Twenty six. Yeah, right. Ace, he's still largely. Young. And how did you and your core group of mates react to that situation? Did you <sighs> get around each other? Did you just pretend it was there but didn't we talk got about a, it? We got around each Still other. Go to the pub and get smashed. We everyone came over to my place and we got yep. pretty smashed, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah yep. we 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 yeah everyone sort of got around my joint. We probably had. I mean, because you came around that Fuck, day. It was as like well. a, it was like a fucking um, war zone that yeah. afternoon. I'll never forget. There were fucking people just everywhere in we, tears. Fucking, yeah. it was a mess. Yeah, we did. We like we we did what is probably the wrong thing to do technically, but it, fuck, I don't yeah. regret it. Was was we, oh. we just all got got on the fucking beers and we were just like. I asked that question uh, largely because I think it's like it's a very hard one for young for young people to know what to do and I do often I think to myself sometimes like you want to get around people when they've lost someone and when you're young it's hard you know what are your mates going to say what are they going to do I had lots of great mates are around me and but yeah it's um I think the fact that you all got together and actually were doing something together like yeah you might have all gone and got drunk together and you might look back and say ah well it's probably not the right thing to do but the fact you were together acknowledging it that's the right thing the raw emotion was there Mm. and I reckon that's a really good thing too when you got a mate that's down or a mate that's grieving to actually just front up um like when my brother got killed my best mate was working in Cunanara and he drove for three days to come over and he didn't say anything about anything but the fact that he turned up and drove all that way still is the most amazing thing anyone's ever done like that's awesome. And I think that for if I could give any advice to any young people out there that see their mates go through something, just be around them. Like, turn up, come and if your mate's doing it tough or they've lost someone, instead of going out on the town on the Friday night, get a carton of beer and go around to his house and watch the Broncos get pumped with him. <laughs> like, yeah, fuck, talk about grief. <laughs> 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 I think that is a bit of a black hole that young people don't talk about enough and they don't get out there and mention it. And It doesn't have to be the soppy, correct thing to say, but the actual action of doing something with your mates I think is a very important thing. But well, that's, yeah, the most powerful thing is just being there. And that's, yeah, it, Because it's not there to so- you're not there to solve anything. Yeah, just exactly. There. You can't solve it. Yeah, you, you can't just, solve it. Just Grief, you can't solve You've just got to work through it. Yeah. I've had, like, I've had, a, I've had a really positive experience with grief and death as well in my life like yeah. i lost my great auntie um on australia day in 2009 yeah and um for me it was one of the uh, another again great innings yep. um she was uh i can't even remember how old she was she was about 90 um i awesome. reckon north of 70 you're going well yeah really. awesome innings but like for her um She's one of the closest people that I've ever lost in my life. Um, yeah. And, yeah, she was in hospital. She was failing. She was yeah, in Concord yeah. Hospital in Sydney and I was out 
fuck with one of my mates, Reese, and my girlfriend at the time, Lou. We were over at her place, and it was like fucking eight o'clock at night. And I just something came over me, and I was like, I've got to go. I've yeah. got to go to the hospital. And I drove on a Friday. It was a Friday night. Australia Day, I fucking probably shouldn't have been <laughs> able to drive, but, you know, I was fine. Yeah, driving the hospital, my grandma was sitting there next to her, next to her in the bed, and um, and I sat on the other side, and we both held her hand, and she just died right there. Yeah, right, right there, and just got, and I am fucking so thankful. Yeah. Like, to the day that I die, that was one of the best experiences of my life, that yeah, I could yeah. be there for that. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And so, and I look at... That is a is a is a really positive experience with with grief and death. Like it was obviously yeah. still really sad. Yeah. Um, you know, really still went through the grieving process. But at that age, it's a different kind of grief because that's a life well lived. Yeah, and, oh, very much. And yeah. and it's also a privilege to be able to accompany someone into the uh, into the yeah. afterlife. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I just felt like same that. same token though, Dan. Like you say, that was your experience with it, and that's yeah. what's present in your mind. And that's you know, you shouldn't step back. Oh, it was just an old person. It's not the case. It was someone you'd lost. Exactly, it was someone I lost. But I was just, I think, probably point is more like that. You can have positive experiences with grief as well. You know, yeah. and you can have when you've had someone with a life well lived, and you know, you can and you can sort of be there and comfort them and know that you know yeah fuck i really cherish the time that we had together and f- fuck whatever that came over me that night that was like i've got to go to the hospital it's weird yeah. i'll never stuff. i'll never know but like i look at that and i was just like god i'm just so thankful for that you know um yeah it's those fucking yeah great but grief yeah it always it just never yeah it never disappears does it it just lingers around do you guys eddie have you ever talked to you like you guys, your family's in transit a bit at the moment. If you're in Brisbane, if you're in Longridge, you ever talk to your parents about where they want to be buried? No, what, never. So never cause have. The, you know, in theory, all going to plan, they're going to go before you are. Sorry, Ken and Sue, no hard yeah, feelings. Well, but fuck. But I think it's a very important thing to have those conversations. Dad always said, he goes, it's all, it's all written out in the sand. So when he got the tap on the shoulder, we knew that he wouldn't be upset by that. He wouldn't have begrudged that. But then I think it brings a lot of peace to the family left behind if they know what their loved lo- what their loved ones wanted, yeah, or yeah. where they wanted to end up, or what meant something to them, yeah, and yeah. I don't know. I re- I urge people to really get talk to their loved ones about those final things because that's the thing. The week after the death, you know, that is the hardest part when you waking up every day going, is this really walking around the days and having a bit of an understanding, a bit of a plan there in your family as to what you want to do? Well, mum, mum's always said she wanted to be cremated. Mum's yep. always said, yeah, cremate me. And then for don't have a funeral, just have yep. a big party, heap of people around on the piss and just have some fun and play some great yep. music. Yep. She's like, just play ABBA, fucking all that good <laughs> shit. See, you know what I mean? That's what she's like. She's, she's like, I don't want a funeral, I just want yep. a party. See, and I reckon that's cool. Like a lot more people, you're seeing that a lot more now. Like it, I think some funerals are really good in that they're doing their own thing. Like, there's a bit of over-the-topness, I think, at some funerals. That's a pretty out-there thing to say, dare I say it out loud. But <laughs> well, some funerals, yeah, you're like, well... It's on record now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, no. We had a wonderful, wonderful gentleman, Father Alan Lamb. He was a Welsh dude. He loved drinking, smoking. He'd been a Franciscan friar. He was a priest. He, the family had known him forever. He married all my cousins. He married my brother. he done a heap. And he... Um, yeah, he had the gig to bury, he, as he said, he was crying one day. He said, I married Rodney Button and then now I'm burying Rodney Button. And he buried my father and buried my mother-in-law and he was just a hell of a dude. And he always, he was big on planning out weddings and planning out funerals. He said, you've got to hold the crowd and you've got to get it right. He said, and 
you know, he'd weep openly and he'd say, well, it's the only time, you know, this is the only time I'll do Ian Button's funeral. Or, and, um, yeah, I think it was, I, that was a sentiment that really hit home for me. I think you've got to get it right, but it comes back to having that conversation with your loved ones about what they want to do. And, and, so, when yeah. and so when your old boy passed away, you knew what he wanted? Uh, yeah, we did, yeah. He, um, I guess, about being buried, like when my brother was buried and mum was a bit, oh, young fellow, he should be out somewhere in the paddock, flying, you know, being free, not cooped up in a cemetery. But then it also meant a lot uh, to my father. His parents buried in Longridge, his nephews buried in Longridge, he's got a heap of family buried in Longridge and we naturally, at the time, buried my brother in Longridge and then when dad died, it made sense to him because he was a Longridge fellow through and through that his parents were there, his son was there, his nephew was there, his aunts and uncles were there. But um, so when it, it was sort of just a formality too that we, yeah, we knew where he was going, what was going on and we'd had a practice run three years beforehand, dress rehearsal, so we were down with what happens. Because there is, it's funny, until you have, until you have, until you go through it, there's so much in organising a funeral. We've always been blessed. We've had wonderful family and around us that have always helped out and pointed us in the right direction, done things and, yeah, there is a lot to it. My sister jokes that she's going to write an app about, <laughs> So when someone dies, you get the app and tells you what to do and what what you got to jump through Checklist. legally and yeah, what hymns and songs and everything you should do because there is a lot in it to organise. Yeah. That's for sure. But it's yeah, and even my wife Amanda and I, we've had a conversation. Obviously, her mother is buried in Mudderborough there in the cemetery in a great little cemetery, and my father's and my brother in Longridge, and we argue about where we're going to end up. And the deal is, well, if we die before we're forty, whoever goes gets to go with their family because hopefully who is remaining may meet someone and go on to have a very happy and prosperous life. And then when we get to 40, we've got to bloody sit down and work it out, nut it out again for the next stage. And Yeah, yeah right. So you, you're actually having those conversations really in a, in a not a, a not a sad sense, in a very practical sense, like in an actual practical sense of like what, you know. It's, uh, yeah, it's, open, yeah, yeah, very open definitely. conversations. Yeah. And planning it and understanding it, where it's all going to go and how. Because once again, like for the dead person, it doesn't matter, but then for the family remaining... It is a big thing to help. It's something I yeah, really recommend everyone to go home and, and have a conversation about. Yeah, that's a mate. That's a great call. Um, and things like you know possessions, right? And like having yep. to actually the practicality oh, of having and just to doing it fucking properly. Like I was telling you about um, Joey. So you remember Joey Ross? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Joey. So he passed away. Oh, must He's have been a funny man. eighteen months a ago. Funny Joey yeah, story. and a great and mate, great man. Like fucking yeah, yeah. piss taker, bloody. Um, lived a very interesting life. <laughs> and he, um, you know, it's really sad because, like, there were oh, – it's actually it's a bit of a funny story. But long story short, there were these war medals. Yep. They were the Ross medals. They went missing, right? Yep. And everyone – well, my psychotic grandmother was blaming fucking – She listened to the podcast? <laughs> I don't think she's got – she wouldn't have hearing aids or something. <laughs> she, um, she was blaming some family member. Mum was telling me about it. Anyway. Mum went over to Joey's place one afternoon to um, – mum was, like, making him dinners and stuff and took it over to him. And yeah. looking up on the wall, she's like, what are these medals here, Joey? And he's like, oh, they're bloody Alistair and Cecil Claire Ross's war medals. And mum goes, oh, you've got them. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I've, what, yeah I've, I've had them, blah, blah, blah. And um, he goes, so I'm, I, Eddie's going to get them. I'm going to give them to, to Ed. And mum's like, oh, Joey, you know, don't – no, he's like, no, no, I want to give it to him, you know, blah, 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 you know. And um, anyway, but he, Joey never did a will. Yeah. Anyway, family came in and they, they've disappeared. We'll never see them again. Like, they're, fuck, who knows where yeah. they are. But it was sort of, you know, 
people that do know what they want, they need to get it down so it's clearly fucking defined what does happen. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's got to be in writing. These conversations, nothing. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, th- I really laughed about that because I was like, you know, fuck Joey's like, yeah, they're fucking heads. We're going to give them to him. And yeah, anyway, so funny. I never see those. I never even laid eyes on the fucking things, but I've heard about them pretty much my entire life. Oh. <laughs> Nobody's gold. Good old Joe. He's Poor a funny bastard. Man. Oh man, he was a unit. But um, I think too. Randy, this is a bit of a random one. I ask people when we're talking about death: is um, do you ever picture your own funeral? Like, do you ever sit down and go, "Who would my six pallbearers be? Who would I want to do my eulogy? How would I feel about my own funeral? What would I see?" It's something we never think about. It's, it seems a stupid, extreme, black, dark thing to think about. But at the same time. Possibly it's a good way to get the conversation. You sit down and think about what you don't have to tell anyone. What would you want? And then start talking to your loved ones about it or your mates. Mate, it's the fucking. Be open about oh, it. It's about, the, it's about the eulogy and what your eulogy wants to be. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. often, I was actually, I was talking about this on that trip to Fink the other day and I was like, there's like this truck driver that we used to work with at Lake Nash and I used to often think about him and like, you know, like, like yeah, narcotics, truck driver, yeah. working big days, fucking yeah. never home. I used to be like, fuck. It's like, what are they going to say at that bloke's fucking funeral? Yeah. Like, yeah. what are they going to say about that bloke? Like, that's what that life that he's living is fucking hardcore. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's no real substance to it apart from just work, yeah. you know? And I've always thought about that and then, like, how I want people to talk about me and not talking about fucking, you know, mm. anything. Like that. Just who I've been and who I've been for people. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm like, fucking, I've, you know? Does you, that make sense? You, yeah. you, it, it's not accomplishments, but who I was. Uh, but I think that's best summed up by the stories, by the, the like the yarns that are told. The best in, ter- yeah. in, I mean, in terms of like, oh, you remember the time that he did this. You remember <laughs> the time that this happened. You know, you remember the fucking th- this. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just story after story, yeah. like that, like the fond memories. Like that's to me, like what a good. But and I've been to but funerals guess, before when they haven't had those conversations. Like I've been to funerals when no one was talking about who died. Yeah, and I'm like, fuck, that's tragic. But I suppose Eddie, this probably. That story about the truck driving the narcotics and whatnot and being a weapon and whatnot. Like, it probably brings us into the big picture a bit, going back to talking about grief and everything. Everyone's life's so different. Like, the other day, oh. a fellow at home died. He was a bachelor. No one really knew his family. He literally, they were a bit like, geez, what? Are, who do we tell? Like, who do we ring? Like, who gets his car and his bag of clothes? And everyone's going, oh, it's so sad. He's got a nephew somewhere down south. But then that's the life he's made. He's lived that life. He's obviously happy in that life. And is it that sad at the end of the day? Like, yeah. it's sad that he's died, yes, but is he, where is the sadness? Who's the sadness for? Is it for him or the people he has or hasn't left behind? It's like the truck driver, he might die and all his family, ah, well, that was him, that's how he used to roll, like, good on him, he had fun. I, I know, I suppose it's just, that, I pro, I suppose it's just then, that comparison thing and being like, I just don't want that for me. You know yeah, what I mean? that's fair enough. And I'm not yeah. saying, like, that is a bad, that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, for me, like, fuck, I'd feel like I've, probably not done what I needed to do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I haven't yeah. fulfilled my potential. But I guess, is that your thing? Like, are you looking at the bigger picture of life, of where you fit in? What do you think? How do you see your life? What footprint do you want to leave behind? Well, for me, I just, like, I mean, I just want to, I just want to give everything a fucking red-hot crack. And I don't want to be sitting there when I'm, you know, hopefully yeah. fucking 85, you yeah. know, looking back to me, being like, fuck, I, I wish, a good run, I geez, I wish I'd fucking had a go at that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm like... I don't know if I've got a high tolerance for risk, but I feel like I'm willing to take chances. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm happy to have a go at that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm happy to have a go. If it doesn't work out, cool. We'll try, yeah. I'll try something else. But yeah. like, I'm willing to fucking go out and have a go because rather than sit back and yeah, get to like that middle, like I don't want that middle age crisis thing to happen to me. 
Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I look at that and I'm like, oh, I don't want to get to that age where I'm like, what the fuck have I been doing? Yeah. Yep. And what do I need to do now to make sure I, I feel, I've filled the cup up for the rest of the years I've got. You know yep. what I mean? Like I yep. want to be not cramming shit in, but I want to be fucking like. Yeah, like they say, what's that saying? It's not the destination, it's the journey getting there. You yeah. want to make sure your journey's full. But that's and happening. Another no, one happen- that comes on this podcast, podcast a lot. all the time. But it's, but that we're, we're lucky enough that we're on this fucking really cool journey. You yeah, know what I mean? Yep. And there's other really cool shit that's going to happen. And then like, like last week when Dan and I were in here, fuck, in tears. Yeah. Talking about what the future looks like. You know yep. what I mean? Like we've got two whole different, like we've got a married, like I'm married here with him. And I'm also married really? to, to Lance. Yeah. yeah. Married to Lance. Lance you know what I mean? So I've got, I got, I got two marriages, She basically. knows about she it. She knows <laughs> all I about it. I actually was thinking about this the other day, and I reckon you and I have spent more time together than, yeah. than what you and your wife have spent. Oh. But that's also not uncommon for mates, but... Oh, yeah. In ours, yeah. We're, we're more de facto. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a matter of de facto. But then that's like, and then the journey that that's going to take, you know what I mean? Like we eventually want to be on a place, you know what I mean? Yep. I'd, I'd love to have fucking 30,000 acres and fucking some sheep and some cattle and bring my kids up on a place somewhere. Yep. But then it's also managing this side and being like, well, I can't really quite do that for a little bit longer because we've got to be here. and You know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. all those and That's that richness things. of life too. Like you guys, obviously, you see the way you fellas bounce through the door. You're happy with what you're doing. You love what you're doing. And you guys, you're not do- I'd imagine you're not doing this for the money. You're doing this for the richness of life. It's not big coin in there? It's, not, no, it's bloody, it's a, mate, it is, it's definitely... Maybe we'll it, build an empire. <laughs> it's 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 definitely yeah, already, the, it's definitely the journey and the and, and the things that we're learning along the way and the fucking people. Yeah, we definitely. meet awesome fucking people. Yeah, you and know, it's the moments as well. Like yeah, fucking, definitely. just when you rocked up today, my heart was fluttering because of what happened with that dude who yeah. reached out to Tx. You know, just now. Yeah, who was suicidal? He's on the yeah. edge, and like it's just a few points of contact in one day, and he's got onto a psych and. You know, Nadia, psych up there, her fucking heart was racing too. Like, she was coming up and down the stairs. She's like, oh, my God, like, this should just happen. Like, rah, rah. Yeah. And it's like, those little moments there. It's like almost, you look at every single fucking thing we do here with that, yeah. that shirt that you're wearing. Yeah. Like, the point of that. Right up to looking at what sort of Canterbury-type style short we're going to make for Christmas with a stripe <laughs> on the fucking but, side. But the point, <laughs> like, the point was a shirt to start a conversation about mental health and then it's, yeah. it's developed into having a, a not-for-profit providing you know free psychology and right then when you walked in a real life example of it happened where a shirt started a conversation it's established that you know a service upstairs where someone who was suicidal has made it to that point and today yep. they go home alive yeah and so that the that it worked so there right there is one case where it's worked yeah and that's fucking awesome and that happens every now and then or it ha- probably happens a lot in different ways for us but we're not like Sure, we want to you know, reduce the rate of blue-collar suicide or whatever, but fuck, it's the challenges and it's the small wins and it's the it's the little experiences and the laughs that we have and the stories and like you say, the people along the way and all that stuff. If you didn't enjoy it, if you didn't enjoy those bits, then that happening today upstairs wouldn't yeah. hold the same gravity. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not, have the, and there's no yeah. point where we're like, yeah, we'll sell 50,000 shirts and we'll be sweet. <laughs> yeah. Like that's... <laughs> That's not how it works. That's no. not it. You don't. Fuck! Get, I wish it was that easy. That's that's not the point of it, and Fuck. it's never going to happen. And if yeah. and if we're both sitting here going, we'll get to fifty thousand. 
and then we'll put our feet up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even though we've yeah. probably surpassed that. But, like, the point is, it's like, you're right. It is the journey, not the mm. destination. And if you can't enjoy those small bits along the way, well, then there's no destination that's ever going to be anywhere near as enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it comes up a lot, that journey and destination. Oh, saying, but it's very It's so true. true. It's, it's so true. And if yeah. you can find, you know, whatever it is that you do in life, you know, it becomes with your family or what you do for a living or your hobbies... Yeah. There's no point where if you put enough time and stress and kind of negative energy where you're not enjoying the journey into something that it will suddenly get good. Yep. It just doesn't. That's not the way it works. Yeah, yeah. It's a really great insight for both of us I reckon, and obviously you as well. I reckon now I'm age mid-30s I'm starting to realise that the richness of life is in what you do. It's not mm-hmm. the, it's not the dollar trick part of it. The dollar trick part of it's just a tool to get there. It's what you actually do day in, day out. That That's where the richness of life is and you see people that can't you feel sad for them because they don't know what they want to do. They're 40 odd and still just plugging away doing a job to pay the bills, but they don't actually understand what it is they want to do. Mate, it's like, well, Lance quit a job yesterday, you know what I mean? And I was like, fuck, this is so exciting. You can go and do whatever you want now. Yep. But I couldn't, it was so hard for me to explain that to her before she quit because she couldn't see it because she was like, this job's my identity. This is all I've been doing. I'm like, but you fucking hate it. Yeah. And she's like, well... Yeah, but there's good parts. And I was like, well, every time we're talking, it's all about, like, the stress and the work-life balance and how much, you know, how hard yep. it is. And, you know, you're not getting, like, the remuneration that you you, you need, you want, yep. you know. And now, like, last night, after she quit, fuck, it was like everything <laughs> had just, like, lifted <laughs> off. World lifted off her And she was like, oh, my skills are so transferable. I yep. was like, fucking oath. I was like, you can go sell whatever you want. I was like, you can go sell fucking... Head bales, or you yeah. can go and sell fucking cleaning equipment, whatever the fuck you want, and everything in between. Like yep. you just go and find. I was like, she could be a jod per sales. She could be a jod sales. <laughs> but I was like, you could. I was like, I was like, if I were you, I'd just find ten companies that you love and yep. shit that like ten companies you love and the stuff they sell. Fucking just call them up. Yep, get into it. Hi, I'm Alana Ross. I love your company. I love what you do. I'd love to sell. There you go. You know what yeah. I mean? And she's going to be on this cool adventure now for the next few months, like finding that next thing. Yeah, working out. And that journey. Shit, selling shirts. Yeah, selling Get her shirts. Selling yeah, shirts. Yeah, fuck. But that's, the, like, that's a really exciting thing. And it took yeah. – but there's – like her example is sort of what you're saying too. Like there's a lot of people out there that it's that destination is death. They want to get there comfortably. They don't want to take too many yeah. risks. They can't see that there's limited downside because yeah. it's like, okay, you're in a job you hate if you quit. What's the worst thing that happens? You get another job that you hate. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. That's not quit that one. That's too. not really that bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's real. Yeah. It's it's interesting people's perspective and and how. I will. Yeah. How you can adapt and change people's ideas of what's re- what is real reality. Really, I will yeah. say the the biggest challenge in all that is it's when you when everything's rosy and when you can sit at a table like this and you know high spirits and talk about this stuff and talk about your perspectives. It's a, it does seem easy, but, I know. When, yeah, yeah. but when you are on the other side of the coin, and yeah, that when can you've actually got to do it, when, when you've got to get out of your comfort zone and go and do it's it. It's not easy, and so that's got to be acknowledged because, like... Oh, know, absolutely. It's, I know. Not, it's when you're in it, you can slip back into it at any time and find yourself in that point and think, yeah. fuck, what am I going to And then back do? on your laurels and be like, oh, fuck, I knew I shouldn't have quit. <laughs> but, and then it's like, you know, like you're saying, Lance quitting. And now she's like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> and then you, and then you, like, you got to bite your tongue because you're like, "I've been fucking saying this the whole time. It doesn't matter. You can't, you can't say that, yeah, can yeah. you?" So it's like, "Yeah, oh, it's interesting life, huh?" Yeah, this has been great, Butto. Um, fuck, thanks so much for, no worries, for sharing mate. that. It was raw. It was real. I really appreciate your, yeah, your openness 
and your vulnerability yep. and telling that story. Um, and it wasn't all of it either, but we're fucking no. airing a bit in here. And um, uh, We can do part three because we've done bid part one and two in the same sitting. <laughs> yeah. We can do part three another time. But, um, yeah, mate, thanks so much for your time. Really, yep. really no appreciate worries. it. My pleasure. Thank you very much well, for asking me. You guys are doing a wonderful job with what, what you're doing. What are we going to do with that shirt? Like, what? We'll what, have to frame it or something. What do we do with that? You know? Fuck, it's a relic. <laughs> it is a relic. It is. It's seen some work. But, um, yeah, thanks so much. No worries, mate. mate. Congratulations I, um, on, the new, on the new bub. Thank you. Thank you. I urge you to go home, talk to your loved ones, start the conversation, talk about where it's all going to end because it will end one day. Death is, the, death is the realest thing in this lifetime. Absolutely. And don't it's, have a conversation. It's not, it's not a taboo thing. It's not a taboo thing. And don't be scared, too, to talk to people about loved ones. My brother's best mate still takes the piss out of him. Whenever we talk about him, <laughs> and it's the most heartwarming thing ever. It's great. That's awesome. It's awesome, mate. Thanks so much, and um, we'll chat again soon. Good Sounds on you, Bardo. Thanks, thanks, mate. Oh, thanks, Bardo. Right. If I stop, I'll die. <laughs>